This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. There has never been a better time to see how elections work. With intense interest in campaigns and with the foundations of representative democracy at stake, filmmakers Sarah Archambault and Margaret Guernsey have brought us No Time to Fail, a behind-the-scenes look at the 2020 election that chronicles the experiences of election officials in Rhode Island, those at the state level, and also in the cities of Providence, Cranston, and Central Falls. They had to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic and threats spurred by former President Donald Trump's baseless accusations of fraud, and their documentary shows how public servants ensure voters are just able to, you know, vote. (laughs) Margot, Sarah, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. So uh, a a little over a month ago, or about one month ago, uh, we spoke when you were in D.C. for a screening uh, of of your film at the uh, Atlantic Plumbing uh, Landmark. And uh, it was since then you've, you've done some work with the film. You know that we're going to talk about some of the your experiences and in, in sort of taking it on the road. But first, I just want to uh, just re- do a real quick sort of recap about what about the movie for for listeners who who perhaps haven't uh, seen it or aren't familiar with it. Uh, how how the two of you came to collaborate together and and where you're from and why. Uh, as one of the p- editors who I work with, who uh, who has a, a real connection to Rhode Island, why Cranston? Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, wh- whoever would like to start, please uh, l- let us know how how this project came about. Well, I'm from Cranston, so. <laughs> All right, Sarah, Sarah from Cranston, go on. You're on the air. Uh, Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, So I'm from Cranston, Rhode Island, originally. I live in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I I have, over time, lived all over the country, but I've kept coming back to Rhode Island because it's such an easy place to live. And for the same reasons it's an easy place to live, it's an interesting place for making films. Um, you're only ever two or three people away from um, the yes you need to make your ideas manifest. Uh, and so that's a, one of the reasons I really love being here in Rhode Island. Um, but I'll tell you, around the time of the pandemic's um, early start in March 2020, April 2020, I we all knew that not only was there all this uncertainty of the pandemic looming in front of us, but there was also a, an election ahead, a quite significant one. Um, I have a good friend who works with the Secretary of State uh, in the state of Rhode Island, and we began talking about like what they were up against and what they were going to have to manage uh, with the election coming forward. And so, you know, even then, that was the germination of the idea. Of course, my story, my storyteller brain um, started percolating and saying, you know, this is a anytime there's a first time. Uh, that people are, cha- are are facing a new challenge. I mean, that that can make for interesting storytelling. So I called Margot, and Margot is somebody who uh, a filmmaker in um, the Boston area who I've known for a really long time um, through past film work of hers that I've been familiar with. But significantly, she made a film in Rhode Island called Councilwoman. 
and it's an absolutely magnificent film, something that people should see. Um, but it, in the making of that film, she earned the trust of a lot of people in the political sphere uh, in Rhode Island. And I also knew that Margot had a real deep interest in um, films about labor and about the kinds of labor that we don't typically see. Um, so I gave her a call and uh, she became interested. I don't know, Mar, you could say more about why you said yes to this crazy idea. Yes, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Sarah called me and I mean, the same things that she was thinking about, I was thinking about is this is, we, we knew that one of the most important elections of our lifetimes was on the, was coming and that pulling it off in a pandemic would be an incredible undertaking. We had no idea what that, how incredible of an undertaking it really would be, but we at least had a hint of this is going to be a big deal. And as Sarah mentioned, I'm incredibly, I, I, you know, it's around us every day, but most of the labor, the work that holds up our society is invisible. And that's true of, of a lot of, of most people's work and definitely true of election work. And so it just, I thought, you know, and, and, and working with Sarah, like who wouldn't want to work with Sarah? <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, you know, I would say as we started poking around some of the obstacles you might expect were there, plus some real, uh, so for example, we had to pull it off very quickly. We needed to be in the film yesterday. Like when Sarah first called me, that very first call, it wasn't like, you know, we need to, it was like, we really should be filming today because things are already happening. So that was a huge challenge. And it was only, I think, because Sarah's from the area, I've, I lived there for 15 years that we were able to pull off that quick of a turnaround. Um, and then there were some really unexpected surprises, like the extent to which people, the folks you see in the film trusted us immediately. I mean, you, to put a camera in someone's face who you've never met before, usually you wouldn't want to do that right away. So um, there was some unexpected but lovely trust that we're all in this together. Um, and then the unexpected, the level of work. Um, I mean, I knew they work hard, but the, didn't I didn't expect that I that Kathy Placencia would be in her office till 2 a.m. and then be in her office again at 8 a.m. not once or twice but for two months like I didn't expect that that level of work would be required in order for this election to happen and for people to be able to vote yeah uh, and and Kathy as, as you mentioned she is uh, the um, uh, Providence, you know, the city of Providence's elections official. I mean, she, you know, it, she may, she may, it's, you have a, a real cast of, of colorful characters uh, here. Uh, and, and you mentioned that like putting the camera in their face, sometimes it seemed like they were just natural and didn't really notice uh, because again, these are people working. We've all been in these situations where things are tense. Language uh, becomes uh, less than PG, <laughs> which is fantastic because as anybody who's worked with me at, at places like Roll Call and and, uh, and, and CQ knows, I am pro-profanity. Uh, and, <laughs> and so people, because that's how people talk. And and I, I think it gives an honesty. It's not, it's not, it doesn't feel exploitative. I mean, this is a very tense situation that you've captured. Uh, and, and it's not just Kathy's story. It's, it's multiple people, you know, quite literally some of them delivering ballots by hand, getting in their cars, delivering ballots by hand to people who can't get outside of their homes for one reason or another in in winter <laughs> or, or it was, I guess it wasn't yet. Yeah, it wasn't totally winter yet because it was it was fall or uh, but it's the 
the trust that you, the, you know, Sarah, you mentioned that the Margot had gotten the trust of people in, in, in working on her first film, but this, this had to have been organic too in the, in the movie because of just how crazy the time was with the pandemic. And then with, you know, the president of the United States threatening people. Uh, well, what, absolutely. what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I mentioned that the uh, secretary of state's office was the first to open the door to the film, but we actually had to earn permissions at every single location that we were filming in. Um, and it, I think what we found in each of these places was that the people there were eager to have audiences understand what their work was. They kept bumping up against it every single day with voters calling them saying, well, what? how does this work? And how will my vote be registered? And why, why is the process like this? And so the more questions they were asked, you know, disinformation really did inspire um, the voting population to take a new interest and um, in some way, in, for some people, an aggressive interest and for other people, just, you know, trying to fill in information gaps about how our election system actually works. Um, so uh, the people who we went to who said yes to being filmed, and it's a hard thing to say yes to being filmed all the time during your most stressful professional moments. But when they said yes, it was really because um, they, they were eager for that level of transparency. Um, I would say that we were both, as filmmakers, we were both vetted by people they knew. That's very helpful. It's particularly helpful in Rhode Island. <laughs> it's always about a guy you know. Um, but uh, I think that's true for any uh, for anywhere you live. You want some kind of, um, you want to be confident that the people who are following you are not there to exploit you, are that not there to make you look bad. Uh, and so we we were able to earn that trust quickly because of their desires for the pr the process to be transparent. But also, I believe as Margot and I were in the field with them, as we were trying to make decisions with them, for example, can we have camera people here or not? Um, can you can we put microphones on you or not? Is today a good day? We wouldn't film if they were feeling particularly sensitive or if they were having a hard day. Um, sometimes we were turned away, but that was, that was, that was, that was collaborative decision-making with the subjects because we were trying to be sensitive to the conditions that they were experiencing on the ground. And, and it's worth noting too, that this is not, I mean, Rhode Island typically votes democratic at the, at the federal level, you know, for both U.S. senators, both congressmen are, are, are Democrats, but the election officials that you followed and that you worked with, uh, Democrats, Republicans, you know, I mean, th these are, are professional political and government workers. And there th there isn't some just one streamlined, you know, political affiliation that they all had. No. And in fact, we were they, they're all extremely like religiously nonpartisan in their work. And we were careful when choosing who to reach out to that we would have diversity in terms of how they identify politically, privately. Um, and some of the folks we follow have even run for office. And, and you might be surprised or maybe not to know that of the, of the primary um, film stars, uh, those who, are, who get the most screen time, one of them identifies as a D, two of them lean conservative, and one of them has been active in the Republican Party. And so we actually lean more 
conservative in terms of their private affiliations. But again, they are relentlessly nonpartisan in their work. And actually, that's one thing I think that Americans need to understand is that you know, in most states, um, there's requirements that there always be representatives from both parties all the time. So poll workers, you'll have an R and a D. But these folks are, are relentlessly nonpartisan. They are counting votes. They're making sure every person can vote. I think it's worth circling back to how disinformation affects their work because yeah, it was affecting the work in Rhode Island just like it was affecting the work in red states. It, what, there's, a, I think, a misunderstanding that would only be in purple or highly contested states that this is an issue. But you see it in the film. You see how people come in with really incorrect information that has that we've all heard in conspiracy theories. And, it's, and it affects how they interact with the staff. And so their daily interactions are dealing with people who really believe in the disinformation they've been fed. And so that spins their entire day, or not their entire day, but you can imagine if you're constantly trying to talk to people about the facts, when they believe something they've been told elsewhere, it really makes for just a lot of work, a lot of education that needs to be provided, and a lot more, I don't want to use the word chaos, because they always have everything under control, but just a lot to manage. It's just a lot to manage when you're managing that amount of disinformation. One of the moments in the film that had like just such a great resonance because it was such a human moment you could feel the frustration and empathy for both people was uh this gentleman comes in um and and is 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 saying that i don't want the mail-in ballot i want the absentee ballot and the the (laughs) election worker is like it's the same thing i mean and, and and she and she 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 struggles to be you know, to, to be helpful at the same time that she's almost losing patience, like kind of like a little kid saying, but why, but why, but why? I mean, you know, and, 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 the, and a parent saying, because that, yes, if you walk off a cliff, you will fall. You know, I mean, it just, it is this uh, really great moment that you, where you illustrate, as you said, this, that's, that's her job, right? It's, it's to provide people with the information that they need to vote. Um, but it's so time consuming to just say like, no, the absentee ballot is the mail-in ballot. It's the same thing. And and he just didn't want to believe it. And I think that that's exactly, um, that is the role that disinformation was playing among in the populace, right? So he, he was trusting what he was hearing outside in talk radio, in the news, et cetera, um, his various sources, maybe even friends on Facebook. He was trusting those voices more than he was trusting the election official in front of him telling him what the procedure was. And that's where I think the disinformation can be so insidious. Now, he walked away from that. um, uh, I'm hoping that he walked away from that uh, interaction knowing the truth that his mail ballot the, a mail ballot and an absentee ballot are actually the same thing in the state of Rhode Island and in most places. Um, but I think what what's hard is that that was one interaction for um, Terry Bucci, who was the uh, election official in that in that scene, um, among hundreds and hundreds that she had, having to explain that exact same thing to people over and over and over again. And so I think, you know, just to Margot's point, the way that that disinformation was working as um, an added stack of layers upon uh, the labor that they were already conducting in a normal year was staggering. And I, I guess 
one of the things that I, I mean, I was a political science major in, in college, um, and and I've always been interested in politics at the local level, at the at the federal level, at the international level. Um, I I just I feel like, you know, there is, you know, there's this sort of cliche that people aren't paying attention in in twelfth grade during this during civics class, <laughs> um, but. The, the it seems like a movie like this is is something that can can counteract some of that can return people to like no this is the way things work and I think this gets us to where uh, the I, I, I hinted at this at the at the top of the podcast which is that one of the things that you're doing is you're you're taking your your film on the road uh, you're showing it to to groups groups can can you know like show it in in certain you know sort of situations and it's also been in theaters and again the the, the at the DC uh, screening in September where we met. Uh, you know, we're we're talking. You know, these are all political professionals and and people who know a lot about how government works, either through nonprofits or through working on campaigns or working in the in the government level. But what's it been like as you've gone out to to show this uh, your your movie to other parts of the country? What's both What's been the reaction from from people who are not you know sitting secretaries of state? I think you know, for me, it's a lot of fun at these screenings when the people who there's two things, actually, I want to say. One is that when election officials in other states see this film, and it happens consistently at every single screening, they say two things. One, th that was PTSD. I think that that election was unbelievably hard for election officials across the country, and reliving it is, a, you know, bring it, it feels very, it can feel very real. Um, in, I think in a good, that's a testament to the film, but if you went, lived it yourself, you have to be prepared that that's the experience you're going to have when you see the film. And they say that what could have been my, you know, my office in Utah or my office in Florida or that phone call, I got that phone call in Arizona. And so, you know, that's been really, um, affirming to hear that we, you know, we hear that behind the scenes a lot, but to just have it reaffirmed that election, the election officials are here to facilitate our right to vote and the experience of doing that, even though the laws are a little bit different in each state and the routine, you know, how it's done, but the experience of what it takes to do that is, is, is the same across the country, basically. Um, but then we've had, you know, I had a, a, a number of folks um, locally come see the film who have nothing to do with elections at all. And they all were just said over and over, I learned so much. Oh, and tomorrow there's a local election about the ice skating rink in my town. And now I'm going down to talk to the town clerk. And there's just so much eye-opening of having never seen the other side before. Because as voters, no matter how much we vote, we don't know what happens on the other side. I mean, I, I just want to echo what Margot was saying. I mean, again and again, what we're hearing from people is, how do we show this to every voter? <laughs> Um, and, you know, we're working on that. We're working with, um, we're in conversation with distributors right now to see how we can get this out more broadly. It's in theaters in select cities right now, um, but we're very interested in um, anyone who is interested in having screenings uh, in their hometown or who would like to do something virtually. We have uh, the ability to help facilitate that. So we urge people to visit our website, uh, notimetofailfilm.com um, to request a screening or um, be in conversation with us to help set something up. But again and again and again, audiences, audiences keep saying to us like, how do we get this out there? How do we get more people to see this? I've learned so much. Yeah. And I'll state too that 
uh, Margaret, you, you hinted at this, that this, is, this isn't just for political professionals and, and, uh, and journalists and so forth. I mean, the, there are so many human moments uh, in, in, in your film uh, that it's impossible not to smile at a lot of it. I mean, like, it, again, I, I have some sympathy for the, for the people who, who are on the front lines and just trying to figure out how to keep people safe, uh, you know, in, in, during a pandemic and how to vote. But then you've also just got these moments where, you know, like Rob Rock is a, you know, elections official in Rhode Island. Uh, you, you, you see him, uh, eating just what, what is maybe the most, the saddest dinner I've ever seen, uh, portrayed. <laughs> Uh, and, and again, people just have to see it to believe it. I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but it's, uh, and when he was at the screening, uh, last month at, uh, Atlantic plumbing, we also had a, had a good chuckle, uh, at, at his, <laughs> at his, uh, um, you know, his culinary choices. Uh, he was a good sport about it, but it's, you know, this is a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pathos in this. There's a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of very spontaneous moments. And, and I think to me, that's what animates a lot of politics as well. And capturing that is, is sort of a rare thing. So I, I also encourage uh, folks, not, not just interested in politics and elections, but, you know, people who are interested in people uh, that, that this is a, a film that portrays them quite well. Well, I, and Jason, it's, it's interesting because that moment that you that you mentioned earlier about the person being a little confused between absentee and mail-in and the difference between them and that interaction he had with the election official, anyone who has worked retail has had that moment. <laughs> yes. Any, anyone, and, and like all of us have at some point, even in your young years, have had to do customer service of some kind. And so much of this is just about interacting with the public and trying to get them what they need. So there's moments like that that are really, even though hard and tense and kind of signaling some of the bigger problems are actually quite funny. And there's many of those moments in the film when you're just seeing somebody uh, dealing with the impossible and having a laugh about it. Uh, so yeah, as, as so many documentaries who, that are following what's happening in our political life or our political culture in this country can be quite um, uh, grim. Uh, this is one that I think people will be surprised that there is some levity in embedded in this process. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and, a, and a minimum also of the dreaded talking head syndrome that, that, you know, bedevils so many documentaries where it's just uh, somebody in, in, in a, you know, sort of a, looks like an interrogation room, you know, <laughs> talking to the camera. This, this is, you are portraying people in their cars in line for the elections, you know, uh, it, it, behind counters, you know, like working with people on the phone, um, it's it's a it's a very kinetic uh, so, sort of movie. I uh, I've I've got to say uh, I I really you know again I've, I've as you can tell I geeked out about the movie. But what else should people know? Uh, in, in as we've got you know just a couple of weeks to go or three a little less than three weeks to go until election day. Uh, people are already voting, of course. Uh, but uh, what 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 else should they know about your film and in, in the lead up to it uh, before we uh, before we sign off here? Well, one thing we've done, um, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, the threats against election officials and their families have continued to skyrocket. There have been entire election um, official staffs in Utah and, and Texas that have walked off the job. So it's actually the situation for election officials is, is getting worse, not better. Um, and so I would, one, say make sure wherever you live that you stop by, say hello to your town clerk, offer your words of support see if there's anything they need, um, and get to know them. 
And we have convened a panel of experts to talk about just this. It's called Democracy's Frontline. It will be on Facebook Live on October 27th at 3 p.m. Um, so head on over to our Facebook page, No Time to Fail Film Doc, um, and, and join us and share it with your friends following the, the conversation. It, we will have a free online virtual screening of No Time to Fail. So it's an excellent opportunity to see the film anywhere in the country. And then we'll be doing a Q&A afterwards. So uh, spread the word. It's a great way to see the film ahead of the election. And I just wanted to um, uh, just go back to that thing that you were mentioning earlier, Jason, where you said that the film has a real kinetic feel. And um, that was a deliberate aesthetic choice that Margot and I made because we feel like so many films, so many different kinds of media are trying to tell you what to think. But this film deliberately is trying to take a show don't tell methodology of bringing you into the lives of election officials so that you can witness for yourself what it was like. We tried as best we could and the nonpartisan spirit of um, the election officials we were following to bring you into their perspective. And I think people will be surprised if they can, if, if they can take the time to watch the film that this is not trying to um, uh, this is not trying to shove any kind of um, ideology about elections down your throat. This is for you to witness what it's like and come to your own conclusions. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, uh, Margo, thank you so much for talking about uh, your movie. And again, the, the website is uh, no time to fail film.com. And you can, uh, there's plenty of information about screenings and, and other opportunities. And, and of course the uh, Facebook live event that, that Margo mentioned. Uh, thank you again for, for talking about your movie. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you out there, listeners, for taking a little time to listen to this episode. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, please tell your friends about it. Rate us. Subscribe to the Political Theater Newsletter and do all that stuff that you're supposed to do that I probably forgot to mention. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.